Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. And as you'll see on the screen, the restoration of all things is a phrase found within the passage that is not listed. I did not write it on my outline for some reason for Greg to put down. I thought maybe he'd guess, but uh, that's not fair. Um, we're going to be looking at, uh, this of course fits with what I've been talking about all the way through Thessalonians the event, the parousia. Um, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, uh, verses well, 12 through 21 is uh, where we're going to be specifically reading. But within, but within that, that passage... As you'll remember, chapter 2 is Peter's sermon on Pentecost, right? Um, to the Jews on Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. Well, this occurs, of course, sometimes right after that. We're going to be looking at it, um, uh, reading from... Actually, I like the Youngs. I'm going to re- want the Youngs in certain areas, but... Uh, might as well just read it from the Youngs, where we go. But before we look at verse 12, what happened? Well, Peter and John were, were walking. They were walking by the temple. You see, that was considered the place of prayer. They still went there to the steps and to the place where they taught and, and preached. Well, they saw a man that had been lame from his mother's womb that had been brought there and put there to beg his whole life. And as they walked by, they saw him. They had probably saw, saw this man many times before. But as they saw him, he fixed his eyes upon them and and ask him and ask them for alms, for gift, a gift. And Peter and John, Peter especially, spoke up and said, "Silver and gold we have none, but what we but what we have through Jesus Christ, we give you. Arise and walk." And that was the miracle, and that's just what this man did. But when the people of the surrounding area, because it's a busy place, hustle and bustle around that, that part of Jerusalem. When they saw what had happened, everyone knew this man. 
He'd been a cripple his whole life. Now he was up on his feet, jumping around, praising God. All the attention was focused then on him and Peter and John. And they started to give adoration towards Peter and John for what had just happened. Okay? But Peter, even though John is there, uh, Peter has something to say to them. This is the beginning of another evangelistical sermon where many people are brought into Christ. We're going to be looking at just part of it this, this morning. Um, the words of the Apostle Peter concerning uh, the Jews of that day. Uh, verse 12 and on following, if you'll follow with me. And Peter, having seen, answered unto the people, Men, of men, Israelites, why wonder ye at this? Or on us, why we look so ye so earnestly, as if by our own power or piety we have made him to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, did glorify his child Jesus whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, he having given judgment to release him. We remember that, don't we? He's reminding the Jews of what happened with Jesus of Nazareth, the child of God. And you, the holy and righteous one, did deny and desired a man a murderer to be granted to you in his place, actually. And the prince of the life you did kill. By the way, that's why I love Young's. Because you won't find that article, the, in probably any other translation. And the prince of the life you did kill. What is that life? That's our eternal or never never to die life we have in Christ the life not just life but the life you did kill whom God did raise out of the dead of which we are witnesses and on <clears throat> the faith the faith of his name this one whom you see and have known his name made strong, even the faith that is through him, did you give to him this perfect soundness before you all. The man was perfect in soundness because of Jesus. And now, brethren, I have known that through ignorance you did it. In other words, you were responsible for his death. Also, your rulers are responsible through ignorance. And God, what things before he hath declared through the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ should suffer, he did thus fulfill. He's telling them there that their scriptures have been fulfilled concerning the Messiah and how he must die. The prophet's word was true, right? Even hundreds of years later. Verse 19, 
Now this is the evangelistic message to the Jewish people, uh, along with some other information. Reform ye, therefore, and turn back, for your sins being blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And he may send Jesus Christ, who before hath been preached to you, whom it behooved heaven indeed to receive till times of a restitution of all things, of which God spake through the mouth of all his holy prophets from the age. And we'll stop there. Now this restoration or restitution, same word, uh, of the old English word is restitution, but rest- restoration being a little more familiar with us, meaning, in a sense, God's recreation. And from the old covenant to the new. So the restoration of all things is subject to the understanding that the all things pertains to the Jewish age, the Jewish covenant provisions given through Abraham and Moses. That's where the restoration took place. We didn't get a new tree for the old one that was sitting there. We didn't get a new lake for the lake that was already there. That's not what we're speaking about here. And that's not what Peter was speaking about. And the, the prophets gave further details throughout all of the ages concerning what the Father was going to do from heaven. Concerning the covenant people of, of God only in this case. This concept, of course, I know is not widely understood or accepted by all those who are called Christians today, but it was much better understood amongst the first century Christians, both the Jews and the Gentiles. Why was it better understood? Because the language of the time. They understood what was being said. They didn't have so much baggage to cloud their, their, their vision. They understood what Peter was saying here concerning the Messiah. But it wasn't, hadn't been very long before that that they were screaming at the top of their lungs to crucify him. That's who he's talking to. It's the same crowd. You know, it's my firm belief (coughs) that if people from anywhere at any time would simply obey the gospel of Jesus Christ as established through the preaching and teaching of the Lord's apostles and and then submit themselves to every word of doctrine, revelation, and instruction concerning the the polity or the government of the church, the assembly, and Christian living, and on, on and on it goes within the epistles, that they would be fully equipped to be a good and faithful servant to our Lord. And that that's what we're after, right? We want to be a good and faithful servant. But we cannot be unless we are on board with these things, not only obeying the apostles' doctrine, 
but the teachings that follow the 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 church structure, the polity of the church, as as I call it, uh, simply means all that was given to show us what the assemblies in Christ should be like. See, we have no particular um, instructions on what kind of building we should be in, how many pews, do we need a, a table for the communion, or do we can... You know, none of these things are the polity of the church. The polity of the church is the heart of what Christianity is all about. It's how we live together in Christ. So, the task is large. But I think the reward for this lifelong journey is beyond our imagination. The the glories of of heaven, as the apostles write in the New Testament, are undescribable in human words, are unimaginable with our with our finite minds. And that's saying quite a lot. So let's look at the points that I have coming up here. I got three quick points. The Apostle Peter to the Jews in Jerusalem. And uh, we're going to be looking and reading from Young's literal translation because the way he translated is a lot better for us to read. Um, now, we're going to start right out by comparing two passages because I want you to remember and believe that this is a real event, this event that we're talking about here, that Peter's talking about. It's a real event, and we know it is. Let's look at Acts 3, verse 20 and 21 again. You see, this verse 20, and he, and he may send Jesus Christ who before hath been preached to you. You see, they knew of Jesus of Nazareth. They knew of the crucifixion. They knew uh, that the, the word was that he was raised from the dead. You see? And, and they were, the apostles were preaching that very fact. Then in verse 21, Whom it behooves heaven indeed to receive till times of restitution of all things. In other words, Christ is in heaven until the time of restitution of all things comes to fruition, of which God spake through the mouth of all his holy prophets from the age, ages, age and ages. That's just what the prophets taught about. I think of mostly of Isaiah and, and, and Daniel, and, but every, every prophet spoke about this, particular time. So let's look at Matthew 19. Matthew 19, 27 and 28. Jesus speaking to the people of that day, not just his apostles, but there were others there too. Then, and this is right after the, the account where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and wanted to know what, would, what it took to be pleasing to God, and Jesus told him and he didn't really like the answer he got. And Jesus was talking about this and that they were starting to worry about who can be saved. But Peter said here, answering, he said to Jesus, Lo, 
We did leave all and, to, and follow thee. What then shall we have? And Jesus said to them, Verily I say to you, that you who did follow me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man may sit upon a throne of his glory, shall sit ye also upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. By the way, I was wrong in saying there were other people there at that same time. This was a private conversation of Jesus and the apostles because the rich young ruler had left. There was no one else there. This is what they were told because he's speaking to them, the twelve. Peter and John's message to the people uh, that were surrounding them completely was a real help to them in this passage. Just as it was in Acts 2, when the, when the Jews said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's exactly the condition of these people that are standing around him now. Many of them may not have been there on the day of Pentecost. But some of them that maybe didn't respond were there this time. We don't know. But there was hundreds of thousands of people that lived in Jerusalem, and especially around this time. Um, they didn't come to the Passover and leave immediately, a lot of them. So his message was a real help, Peter and John. Although Peter is speaking, but John is there with him. So I'm going to tell you what I think this builds up to here. There's a few points about this message. It started with, you and your rulers killed the Messiah in ignorance. Now that opened the door for them. This was the offense that they were guilty of. Remember what they said to Pilate when he continued to want to release Jesus to them? They finally said, let his blood be on us. And at that point, Pilate allowed Jesus to be taken to be crucified. And you know, their wishes certainly came to pass upon them. Some nearly 40 years later, the Jews that had rejected Christ all during that period were punished many times over for what they had done and what their forefathers had done. That was the condition. So the offense is, 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 is real. But here's the thing. The apostles are saying Jesus is alive and he's well he's in heaven and we we the apostles are the eyewitnesses to that fact secondly but there is a solution to your problem and a way to remove your offense towards the god of heaven but not through the flesh not not through animal sacrifices not through some regulation no now it has to come from the heart. Now it has to come from the heart. Repent. And turn around. That comes from the heart. That's not a mental thing. Our, our mental thought is, is one thing, but it has to come from who we are. 
Just as Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch, when the Ethiopian, after Philip had preached Jesus to him, the Ethiopian saw water as they were going down the road. And he says, what, permit, what will keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you truly believe with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you may. And he did. In his heart. The third thing, God had announced it, all of these things, that had happened in Israel. God had announced it beforehand through the mouths, mouths of all of his prophets. Did they not have their, the writings? Yes, they did. What do you think they did in their synagogues? They read the writings of the Testament. They, they read the Law and the Prophets. Like we read our Bibles, they read their, their Bibles, so to speak. Bible simply means a book, collection of books. We, have a, uh, we don't have uh, scrolls. We got a codex. The fourth thing, repent. Turn around and be converted. That is, be converted according to the terms of God's pardon. God has set the terms. Repent and be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins that they may be blotted out, as the scripture says, to live in the promise of God in faith. Remember the promise God gave Abraham? This is when it came to fruition. Sonship. When you are baptized into Christ, you become a son and daughter of God himself. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's your home. That's why sometimes we get kind of homesick as a Christian. All the prophets had declared it through the ages, and he wanted them to know that he knew that they knew, if you will. This Jesus whom you had with you before. This is the fifth point. Jesus had been there. Everyone heard of Jesus of Nazareth, the miracle worker, right? The carpenter's son. He came from Galilee, from the tribe of Judah. The scripture says God will send again. He'd been there. He'd been crucified. He had ascended into heaven and the apostles had seen it, but he was going to come again to bring time of refreshing merely by his presence. That's the parousia, friends. The presence of Christ brings the parousia, the, the, uh, the visit, if you will, as it's known in Greek. The event, the presence of Christ will bring that time of refreshing. Why? Because this is the culmination of the ages for the Jews. This is what they were waiting for, the faithful Jews. They would be blessed. They would be, uh, they would be brought into the very presence of God to live with God forever in glory, if you will. And that will bring about, as God was going to restore all things. All things are new, he said. The old covenant is gone. The new covenant 
the eternal kingdom, never-ending kingdom of God and Christ is now in place. All the enemies have been uh, put, put away. Now, let's look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 24 through 28. This is Jesus talking about this time, time of refreshing, the, the time that the restoration of all things occur. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus to his disciples, If anyone doth will come after me, let him disown himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever may will to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever may lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he, if he may gain the whole world but of his life suffer loss? Or what shall a man give as an exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is about to come. You see that phrase there? That won't be in most of your text. For the Son of Man is about to come. That gives it a time, uh, a, a time element and also makes it uh, audience relevant. He's talking to people that were going to see this as it goes on. About to come in the glory of his Father with his messengers, that is, angels, and then he will reward each according to his work. Remember Acts 17? Jesus is the judge. God has given judgment into the, hand, to the hands of him that he resurrected from the dead. Verily I say to you, there are certain of those standing here who shall not taste of death till they may see the Son of Man coming in his reign. That should answer all the questions about that, but if the things persist as far as misunderstanding concerning this. You know, in, in Matthew 16, that verse 27, it says, actually, indeed the Son of Man is about to come. And it's in the middle voice. It's in the middle voice. And we just, you, can't, you can't fight the grammar, you can't fight the words. They're so clear. Matthew 16, 28 is another phrase that, that people just go over. The double negative in Greek. Not, not. Why, why did Jesus say it that way? Why did he... Um, yeah, why, why did he give it in, in that term instead of just not? Because the double negative makes, is, is the implication of it is there is no way that this will not pass exactly as I've said. In other words, no circumstance will change this from happening. So there were going to be some there that were standing there in front of him, listening to his words, that would be there when, when this occurred. Now, when did he say this? Jesus said this about 30 or 31 A.D. And he's referring to an event that was unknown at that time as far as how long it was, how far away it was, uh, about A.D. 70. 
So the gospel message must be believed and accepted through faith. I'm going to move, I'm going to move on past that quickly. The gospel's been presented to the people. They had heard all these other things. They had an understanding that Messiah was coming again soon, about to come, about to come. Is that 100 years off? 10 years off? 1,000 years off? No, we, we know that. And so did they. What they heard came to pass. How do we know? Jesus said so. And he even gives us the double negative in verse 28 to make sure that we do not, do not try to think that this did not happen. The gospel message must be believed and accepted through faith. Now these words of Peter and John and all the apostles were always forcibly said, but each one there, each one of those people was free to accept or reject the message if they pleased. That's God's way of doing it. We've all heard of Constantine, one of the Roman empires, empires of around the 300, 300 A.D. date. Well, you know, he had a he had a very uh, he had a very large group of people that he said had he had converted and baptized, but he did so at the point of a sword. You're going to become a Christian, and here's why. You'll lose your head if you don't. Is that free will? <laughs> Is that the apostolic message? He may repeat, he may have went over exactly what they said, and then when they do standing there, say, well, I don't know about that, and just draw the sword. All of a sudden, they become very ardent converts. That's not free will. Free will is God's gift to man. And we need to make sure we never let anybody take that away from us by what they say or imply. Because without free will, none of this means a thing to anybody. From the very beginning of the Bible till the very end, we see the free will of man being granted by God. Why? Because he wants those that love him, that want to serve him, that want to call him who he is, the God of gods, and they believe it. And so it was believed by many, many people that day with Peter. So, the last point, the parousia, the restoration, and the end of the Jewish age all came at once. It all came at once. Okay, we must believe Jesus and his apostles who have a grasp on the big picture. I'm not going to read the passage I was going to read because we're getting close to running out of time. But I want you to read. I want you to read in Matthew 24. You can read the whole chapter if you'd like. But particular in verses 29 through 36. Because within that you see Jesus describing all of these things coming together at one time. And even Jesus said in that passage at the end of it that even he or the angels in heaven did not know the exact day that this would happen. As we know, because we can look back when when the Jewish age ended, AD 70. We know. We know when all these things came to pass from history. But that was the future to them. 
right? Read Matthew 24, verses 29 through 36, or all of it to keep it in context. And you will see that it all comes down to the idea we must believe Jesus, and by faith we must accept the promises of God through Abraham, through the prophets, and through the apostles of Christ concerning the future of man, all of it in faith. Those would be my comments today. Uh, I pray that they are useful to you as you consider these things yourself in the days to come. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.